Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And a good morning to you. It's uh, uh, specifically April 14th, 2021. I'm sitting here in Pennsylvania on a gray spring day. You know what? I told myself when I started the show today I would not mention weather. I think I just did, didn't I? Oh, dang it. Well, whatever. Doesn't matter. Uh, the breaking news, you were probably ahead of me on this. Uh, the uh, truly repulsive uh, excuse for a human being, Bernie Madoff, is uh, dead. Died in prison. Age 82. He will be mourned by no one. I mean, imagine that. Imagine living a life in which no one mourns you. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know about some friend or a cousin or something that still loves him. But he destroyed so many people's lives. Essentially, his, I mean, his two sons are predeceased him, right? One hung himself. Uh, the other, I think, died of cancer. The wife, I don't know, is she alive? Who the hell knows? My God, what awful people. <laughs> I know somebody who lost money. Uh, because of him. So many uh, invested with him. Elie Wiesel, the Nobel Peace Prize winner, Holocaust survivor, Steven Spielberg, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Lots of people because it was a sure thing. Yeah. I, I seem to recall that um, it wasn't too long ago. <laughs> oh gosh. Excuse me. That might not stop anytime soon. <coughs> Excuse me. It wasn't too long ago that he had applied for uh what I don't know what they call it, you know, a charitable relief. That wasn't it, a release uh from the uh from federal prison because he was so ill. And uh, you know, the judge said, nah, when you're as vile a person as Bernie Madoff, no, you don't get any breaks. Mm -mm. I forget what he was sentenced to, but it was over 100 years, right? Wow. Well, so, that's done. Um... I, uh, I'm sort of stuck thinking <coughs> about being black in America. I'm, I'm just, I can't stop 
thinking about it. And there are so many um, issues, like the call, uh, what was it, David called um, yesterday and, and said that, hey, you know, the the guy who can remember all the names anymore, the the uh, the soldier who was pulled over, I guess that was in Virginia, who ended up being uh, pepper sprayed and uh, terrorized by two officers holding guns on him. Um, one of those officers has since been fired. He's now suing the not the officer the um, the black soldier, and the more what did I see here that just blew my mind that he was related to Eric Garner, Eric Garner the man whose death we all witnessed as he lay on a New York City sidewalk with the life being choked out of him by police officers for the crime of selling cigarettes, onesies, single cigarettes on the street. The guy in the car in Virginia was related to him. Amazing. And that guy, I'm getting the name now, Karen Nazario, he had watched the video as we all did. So he had he had seen a guy he considered his uncle die by police for nothing. And to see, now imagine people who are then related to both. So you've watched your one family member, Eric Garland, die. And now this other video comes down the tubes and it's another member of your family. And um, there was a piece in the, I believe, Washington Post about that happening to um, a guy named Charles Welch. He was looking at it and thinking, what, what, what's going on? I cannot believe I'm seeing this again. And I read more about uh, Nazario, the soldier. And he is an exemplary person. Um, in, in all respects, I mean, looked up to by, by everybody. And the way he handled this seeing police lights in his rear view mirror showed what everybody who talked about 
who knows him and talked about him to reporters said that he is one of the coolest, you know, he takes charge. He's a somebody who never loses his cool. Never. So he sees these cops in his rearview mirror. He's in a dark stretch of road. He knows he's black. <laughs> he knows he's driving. And he makes a decision, which shows, again, a sort of cool kind of composed personality. He didn't speed up, but he continued to drive until he reached a place that was well lit, a gas station. And then he pulls over. And these cops, when they approached, approached already in a belligerent manner. There was no reason for the stop. None. He was driving a new car. Didn't have his plates yet, but he did have a, you know, one of those temporary plates, which was, uh, you know, <laughs> taped on, on the window. He was in full compliance of all laws. He knew he had done nothing wrong, but he knew he was black. And that had to be factored in. And so when the cops, with both, they had two guns on him. He immediately had his hands up in the air in his car. And he very calmly asked, what, what is going, what is going on? What is it you want? What are you pulling me over for? And you know what the answer to what's, what's going on here, he said, with his hands up. And one of the cops said, he says back to him, what's going on is you're fixing to ride the lightning, son. What does that mean? That means you're going to die. That's a, a slang term for, uh, for execution. Ride the lightning. Now, I just, you know, when, when white people say, look, you just get out of there. They want you out of the car. You get out of the car. But I'm telling you, and I, I couldn't stop thinking about that call, that we, if you're white, you have no comprehension of all of the experiences, history, reality, fear that's coursing through your body your brain, 
Yes, you know, you're supposed to comply. But when the two people with badges on who you're supposed to comply with appear themselves to be out of control, you fixing to ride. That, that is not somebody who you would want to, uh, you know, follow. And in your calculations, you could think, if I get out, these guys are going to kill me. If I stay in, these guys are going to kill me. So what are you supposed to do? And when we see black, you think, why did he run? Why didn't he get out? Why? Because he is aware of what happens, no matter what you do, if they're fixing to take you out. The rules don't apply anymore. I just don't understand how people who have never had that kind of interaction with the police cannot understand that it is a different reality for so many black people. This soldier, Nazario, throughout this whole thing, never once raised his voice. He did keep asking for an explanation. And you can bet his head was going crazy trying to figure out what the next reasonable best move for him to survive this encounter was. He posed zero threat, hands way up, right? And even though he posed no threat, he was pepper sprayed right in the face, right into his eyes. Are the police trained to assault, that's an assault. Are the police trained to assault someone who by all indications is no threat? See, the police would say he was a threat. His hands were up, I know. We had no reason to believe there'd have been any crime committed by him. His hands were up, but here's the thing. Those hands were black. And so the cops felt threatened. Now, the, what I just don't understand is, are, are police trained at all? How does this keep, think of all the times this has happened when we don't hear a word. Thank God for all the people who video this stuff now so that we can see it. But, 
what is it with police? They're terrified all the time. They see threats all the time that don't exist. They overreact. They escalate. The guy in the car was trying to de-escalate. He kept saying, really, in a calm voice, he wasn't in any way showing disrespect. Oh, yes, he was not getting out of the car. Well, I'm sorry. If there are two cops behaving irrationally and they already have their guns drawn on me, I'm not sure I'm going to get out of the car either. There were no charges filed against him. Incredible. And this guy is related to Eric Garner. Yeah, small world. You know about how small? This blew me away. George Floyd's girlfriend was a school teacher. And guess who one of her students was? Dante Wright, the 20-year-old kid, most recent dead that we know of, dead black while driving guy, Dante Wright. So his teacher was George Floyd's girlfriend, yeah. The sort of, you know, huge connection, this mentioned Kevin Bacon before, you know, seven degrees of or six degrees of or whatever it is. My God, in all of these cases, you got to believe that it is, there is, there cannot be a black person in this country who doesn't know somebody or is not in some hot way connected to somebody who has been in this kind of position, whether they escaped with their lives or not. And I don't think white people have any standing at all to say what a black person in that situation should or shouldn't do. For one thing, it's not clear what they should or shouldn't do. Because those who have complied have also ended up dead. What did Johnny Gamage do? They told him to get out of the car. He got out. I don't understand. I am so weary. I'm so shamed. But I think one thing white people need to do is shut up.
Two minor corrections. <laughs> this is funny. Single rest. All right. They're called Lucy's. That's right. I said onesies. <laughs> I know. I know what a onesie is. All right. Uh, single cigarettes are called Lucy's. That's right. As in loose cigarettes. <laughs> onesie, Lucy. See, it's white people trying to, you know, trying to understand. And then I referred to Eric Garner as Eric Garland. God almighty. Okay. I am not in good shape today. And I'll tell you why. I, you can tell. I'm, I'm sort of. Blah, 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 blah. This is me before a trip. I become, I was a little bit like this yesterday, and it's really more so uh, today. Boy, last night I was, uh, you know, I, I start doing like little silly things. I start cleaning things. I start, I don't know, I become crazy when I'm about to leave my home for any period of time, extended period of time. And for me, like a week is an extended period of time. And I, I, my head is just roiling with uh, uh, thoughts of, oh, I, had, I need to do this, and oh, I need to do that, and, you know, lists I'm writing all over the place, and oh, my God, what is it, blah, blah, blah. It is, I just, you know, I am ridiculous, and I am so, I become so anxious. It's one of the, I do not travel much. You know, I... Think of my friend Sally Wigan, for God's sakes. She travels constantly, constantly. I could no more do what she did. She has, I traveled with her, I think, twice. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. Anyone who has ever traveled with me probably says, yeah, and I wouldn't travel with you again either. Because I'm just sort of out of sorts all the time. <laughs> it starts before I ever leave. So I'm sorry. I'm just, this is, um, this is me before a trip. And, I, you know, my son knows to stay away from me. I mean, anybody who really knows me knows, give me a wide berth because I'm entering that, that, that twilight period of, of being a wreck, an absolute anxious wreck. And I know it's not. Eric Garner, Eric Garland, onesies, Lucy's. I'm telling you, my head is all over the place. Okay. That's my excuse. So I did see... Um, I was watching what was going on in what Brooklyn Center, she's the Minneapolis suburb that is now the focus of um, media and how unprepared that little town is for that. I my heart went out. I was subjecting myself to the uh, Chauvin trial uh yesterday and and then they would break in because of things that were going on in uh in Brooklyn Center and I ended up watching the most I don't know awkward 
out of control, endless press conference held by the young mayor of that town. And as I watched him, I mean, struggle, so the struggle for words, struggle for the right reactions. I, my heart went out to him. But it shows how that is a, if you let media know that you are not, you know, in control of the situation, which he clearly was not. I mean, they just come for you. Um, and then I happened to see where uh, Van Jones on CNN uh, again tried to explain the reality of being a black person when you're stopped by the police. And he was trying to explain how there's no way a white person could understand this. And he said that if you're a young black person in America, you do not have any reason to trust the cops. You have none. You have grown up watching how they respond to people like you. And so to run, you can see a young black person saying, just panicking running. Yeah. And let's say the offense for which they were pulled over is, in the one case, a air freshener. <laughs> An air freshener. Well, let's say you stop. First of all, why the hell would police stop anybody for an air freshener? These are these absurd things where they just get to terrorize a black person. I've driven with a light out in my car unknowing. I've never, ever been pulled over. How many black people have been pulled over for a light out, a turn signal not applied, Sandra Bland, I believe. Things that white drivers do constantly with no fear at all. The soldier, he'd done So these videos that we're looking at are of people who've done nothing, and yet they're in the grip of cops who assault them, sometimes fatally. So you tell me why cops are allowed to pull anybody over for such crap. 
you don't. Especially knowing that they escalate all too often. So you get pulled over for no reason in particular or something that doesn't even, it, it, it's, it's, it's nothing. Air freshener, a light out, and you end up dead. The fault is never with the black guy driving. The fault is with the cops for the stop and then for losing control of a situation. Let's say, you, let's say in the case, a kid takes off after being stopped for no particular reason. He takes off. Are cops trained to then shoot him? What's his crime? Running away? That's a capital crime? Running away after being stopped for having an air freshener in your car? What is with these police? What is with them? I want I want to take away their guns. I do. I want to take away, well, in this country you can't because then they're totally outgunned. Right, that's true. In other countries, you can take guns away from cops because then nobody's got a gun. We've brought ourselves to this. I don't know. I'm sorry. It just makes me crazy. Jesus. Yeah. Imagine this little boy now without his father and asking old enough, what did that, what was, what did, why did they shoot daddy? Well, he had an air freshener in his car and then the, uh, and then they thought they were uh, uh, teasing him instead. And even if they just tased him, why should you be tased? for having an air freshener in your car. The crime then is not being properly respectful of these police. They want respect. They've lost mine. I did used to respect the police, but I don't know how you can watch this stuff over and over and over and see no, no, progress, no acknowledgement, no, no change in how we train or even think about what is the business of a police officer. God, I'm just I had it. Sorry. All right. So we're pulling out of Afghanistan. Finally. Thank you. Thank you. President Biden will be out. The longest war. For what? Somebody explain to me what we were doing there. I dare you.
I dare you. I've got a call. We'll get back to that. Hello? Yeah, this is Father Joseph. Um, I think um, a couple things. One, I would love to know who is actually, how, how the candidates for the, uh, the, the police forces are vetted. In other words, I, I wonder if uh, there's a different level um, of candidate they look at uh, for a major, you know, metropolitan area as a, to, as they would for a small small area, like a small town. I mean, they, they may have to go with what they can get. I don't know. And I don't know what kind of academy they go to. There's no standardization in training, I, I suspect. That there isn't standardization in training, and so that's, that's a problem. Other countries have this figured out. They have a you know, more system, but we don't, so that's a problem. Uh, the other thing is um, when I tell my sons, and is that they have to we, we treat we treat living in the United States as if we are in a deployed location. So we As if you were excuse me, wait, wait, wait. Father, I didn't hear that. As if you were what? In a deployed location? If you're in mm -hmm. another country, in another culture. Yeah. So that's how we operate. So we've always operated. So in other words, we, we realize that um, the culture's different and that uh, we have to be on our guard. That's what you would do if you were in in another country like Afghanistan. You would do that. And so um, we realized um, not just Afghanistan, but other places. Um, you would you would always try to understand the culture is different and that you're going to be treated different, and you have to be on your guard. Uh, I, my my sons have uh, cameras in their cars. So yeah, so mm -hmm. we. But that's I mean that's 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 our uh, modus operandi. That's that's the way we operate. <laughs> uh, you know, but there's you know, something there's something so sad about that because this is your country, and yet you've got to. Right. I mean, I what? And you've got to act as if you're in a foreign land. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't have time. I don't have time to to, to do sad. Um, I've got you know we're, we're more interested in surviving. So um, you know we do what we can do. I mean, I, I think uh, and and that's. You know, we try to stack the deck in our favor as much as we can. Um, and I mean, thank thank God for uh, video. <laughs> because otherwise, yeah. what, what what's been said won't won't be believed. So, but yeah, right. I mean, uh, yeah, that's but that's what we have to we, we've operated. And people tell me that's terrible. Yeah, I agree with you. It's terrible. I, I absolutely would rather not do it this way. But uh, hey, wait a minute. Hey, are you driving right now? I am. Ha! Listen, you could be stopped because you're not supposed to be uh, talking on the phone while you're driving. Oh, no. Even, even, even hands-free, huh? Um, I, I'm not sure. But I, that would be I, enough because yeah. you got the wrong complexion to be driving. So I'm just saying. It's, I mean, that is just, I can't imagine. And yet you spent your entire career serving this country. What, isn't there a lot of co cognitive dissonance in that? Um, well, here's, here's, here's the, the, the bright side. The bright side is that you're able to be at the table to influence and to explain and to help people see a different aspect of things they may not have considered. So because you, you being there <laughs> adds to the diversity, uh, you know, so that has been my experience. I've been able to be in the room and, 
have you considered this? And that way, you're in a position to make, to, to, to bring that, that awareness. And so yeah. that's what I've always asked my folks, my, my, my family to do. And my sons, as they start their careers, they're about to become ensigns uh, when they graduate the, from the service academy coming up here. And so they, you know, need to make the campground better and try to, you know, uh, do the best they can. And they're put in positions to be able to help and to help people understand one another better. <laughs> and also, they have to, they also realize they have to be a little bit better than everybody else. Uh, and so, um, but once again, that's the, that's, I don't have time to feel bad about that. I got, I got, we, we're on a mission. <laughs> so we don't have time. God. I don't, well, God bless you for laughing about it, but I have to tell you, this country doesn't deserve your service or your sons. I'm sorry. God. I mean, there's well, a history of that. Think of all the black men who fought in World War One, World War II, and, and then come back to this country and are treated as second-class citizens. It's amazing to me that you sure, keep father, signing up. Like that. Yeah, my father yeah, was like that. Yeah, yeah. so World War II vet, uh, you know, destroyer guy. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he, he has stories to tell about how he was treated. Uh, but yet, you know, he's a person that does not, um, he's looking forward to that guy. And uh, he's, I guess that's how he raised me. You know, here's what you have to do. Here's the way. Here, have situational awareness. Understand the environment you're working in. And uh, so we're not surprised. Things don't. People. It, it, I think the thing gets me is that um, there's a part of our country that's surprised and shocked to see what President Trump was able to do. Um, he empowered um, uh, the lesser. <laughs> yeah. People who are the worst above, of us. Below the, yeah. Yes. He brought yeah. the work. Well, the work that's been there, he gave it a voice. So yes. um, uh, racists have found their voice in, 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 in President Trump, and so uh, they were able to dismiss a lot of things that people have been saying, like institutional racism. Oh, no, I don't believe in that. That type of thing. That has been very, very harmful. But you know what? People were always have been thinking that way all along, and we and, right. and people in my community knew that. We knew right. that, and so we operate knowing that. So that's, you know, that's the way, you know, we've had to, had to navigate these walks. So, uh, you know, more, uh, yeah. Oh, well. boy. Well, us white folks are just beginning, I think, to see what you have known all along about the reality of this country. And um, it's amazing how many white folks refuse to see, even as the evidence, you know, is right in front of their faces. And um, I, it, it's just, I feel such rage. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm in awe of, of you and your sons and your ability to, uh, to still serve this country. But let me give you an example really quick. Um, there is a, you know, when you have parents have these blogs that they do when, they're, when, they're, when your kids are in college. And so when you're a service academy, you know you're, you're, bringing, you're talking to a very conservative crowd, these parents. 
she's a black she woman was, Trump supporter. Yeah. Right, right. And she was making a big thing over the personal lives and habits of the um, of African-American males who've been killed. In other words, well, look at the background. See, their character was this and their character was that. And I remember them posting that, uh, one of her diatribes on, on Facebook. My response was, you know, maybe you might think what Candace Owens is saying is interesting, but I must tell you it's irrelevant. Because what the real question is, is what is the appropriate use of force? What's the appropriate use of force? I mean, if someone Jay walks across the street, does that mean that they should be killed? If someone's exactly. got to, you know, it's, so, so the question really is, so forget about, you can set this issue aside about who they are, what kind of life they live, because I think no one's perfect. The issue has to be, what's the appropriate use of force? And so when I was able to engage, oh, well, yeah, I get <laughs> And, I, and I'm, I'm glad that at least they at least thought a little bit before they started, you know, and they, they sort of, you know, piped down. But my point was, you had to engage them and say, you, you need to think about this first before you, and then I gave them examples of other things people might do that, uh, and, and so hopefully you, you can help people think. But that, if I'm not at the table doing that, who's going to do it? So that's, 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 that's my point. Well, God bless you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank I you. It. Okay, you. Bye-bye. Oh, my. Bye. Okay, so just if you're uh, new to it, I call it, that's father uh, is a um, is an Orthodox priest, so he is able to marry, and he has these two sons who are uh, about to graduate from I imagine the Naval Academy, from what he said, and um, he's also a yeah, so he's a priest and he's a military man, and wow. But he's a black guy driving. Just saying. Do I have another caller? If so, come on in. Lynn? Yes? Hello. <clears throat> Hello. For your entertainment purposes, Lynn Cullen is about to take a voyage. Little did she know She'd be going into the twilight zone. God. Ha. <laughs> okay, listen, I got two things, Lynn. <clears throat> I got a story and a question. Okay. I still, a friend of mine's a police officer, and he told me this story. Um, one night, he was driving, high as a kite, wrecked his car. Cops showed up. We pulled out his wallet. You know, they always keep their badge in the wallet. And the one cop said to him, are you a police officer? <clears throat> Explained, yes. So they said to him, here's what we're going to do. There were two cops in the cop car. You're going to get in his car. We're going to take you home. My partner is going to take your car down into Lower Frick. You're familiar with that, right? Mm-hmm. And when you get home, report your car stolen, and in an hour, we're going to find it. So completely off the hook, you know. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, no charges. Well, good for him, but 
No charges. Yeah, yeah. Imagine yeah. anybody adding anybody else. No. They take care of their own. <laughs> you got that right. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> okay, Lynn, my question is, did you ever hear of a guy named Ed Gates in Wisconsin? Ed Dean? The guy he was who, some uh, crazy... <clears throat> the guy who um, was the... Uh, uh, what Psycho was based on. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's not Gates. It's a, it's a G-U-I. I, I, I'm blanking on how it was spelled. But yes, of course. You're familiar with that story? Oh, yeah. How he had lampshades made out of uh, human skin. And he had uh, women's bodies gutted and hanging in his barn. Oh, yeah. He made like a suit out of human out of, skin. Yes, yeah. No, he was, uh, and you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a nice farm boy from uh, Wisconsin. Right. Anyway, think, he died. I think his first victim was his mother. And, and he's the basis for, you know, the character in Psycho. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Him and his mom. His mom said all women were the devil, so she never let him be around any women. And he didn't kill her, but when she died, that's what really flipped him out. And okay. he went on this crazy killing spree. That he used to dig up bodies. He looked through. So, yeah. he, he took bodies, right? Yeah, he'd, he'd look through the obituaries, find out, right. you know, women that just died, and he'd go dig them up, bring them home, decapitate them, skin them. I mean, I, it's, I don't know. I don't know. What goes through people's heads, I don't know. But that was such a bizarre story. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Indeed. Well, there's something well. for you to think about. That's something for me to think about. I don't want to. Yeah, think about. you know. No. Oh, hey, are you going on? Are you driving on this trip? Yes, I'm driving. Are you taking blue? Of course I am. That's why I'm driving. Of course, of course, that's good. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, when are you coming back? I'm not sure, but I'll be doing the show from there, so I, it doesn't really matter. No, that's cool. Know. Okay. All right. Have a good trip and a safe hey, trip, Lynn. Thank you. I Bye. hope so. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, guys. Gigi says, I think you initially called the town Oakland Center. <laughs> Did I do that, too? It's Brooklyn, right? I'm the same when I get ready for a trip. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. <laughs> God dang it. Ed says, <clears throat> do you have an opinion on mayoral candidate Ed Ganey? Not yet, but I'm I'm interested in him and looking into him um, because I have a I I am undecided in this race. I really am. Uh, Bree writes, uh, "There's an episode of the Twilight Zone <laughs> that dealt with the issue of driving while black." Wow, now that's interesting because that was way before 
I think the term was even used. I mean, black people knew it, but white people didn't know. It was an assumed crime simply to be in a car, well, anywhere, and be a black person. God, sick of it. We got another caller. God, you guys are talkative today. Hello. Morning, Lynn. I just want to uh, tell you that your behavior prior to your trip sounds exactly like myself and my family. We would absolutely go crazy. I would be polishing my hardwood floors, making sure that I had everything ready. And then my husband, who is a smoker, would be outside. He'd be a wreck. We drove our kids crazy. We would be in the car going to the airport. My husband would turn around. We'd live on a cul-de-sac. He goes, I don't know if anybody locked the dining room sliding door. And I said, we never use it. We just go out there on that little grill to grill. And he goes, oh, we better turn around. Then he would be so nervous, he would be out there smoking, and the kids would just lay on the horn. It was, you talk about anxiety, but I believe most people are like you and me. I, I think it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either. But, you know, we all like our own sense of, I mean, you know, I have a, I'm home here. And even the, I don't know. And there's also, there's always the fear that somehow you won't be coming back or what if somebody, I don't know. You just do these what ifs. It's nuts. It is nuts. Well, and it's worse if you're going out of the country. I'm a widow now, but my sister took me. Uh, for my 70th birthday, we went on a river cruise to, to Europe, which was wonderful. But that was even crazier, making sure, because it was in the fall. Right. Like, what is the weather? I'm trying to pack. I, right. I mean, it, it's exhausting. But I just I wanted know. to tell you, don't feel terrible, because <laughs> I think a lot of people have that anxiety. I don't know what you could do right. about it, but I wish you safe travels. And how wonderful to see your mom. Oh, I know. I know. I I keep telling myself, you're going to see your mom. You're going to see, you know, your brother, your sister. I'm going to see everybody. So I should be excited. That is so I know. But you don't have anxiety, like what if your car would break down or you'd get a flat tire? That doesn't bother you? No. Well, I, I, not particularly. I mean... I got triple A. I, I, you know, I, I don't, well, I don't think it's that. No, but you're right. If something can go wrong, my always, my fear is always the cops because I tend to drive a little fast. So my fear is always getting through Ohio without getting stopped. But, I, uh, I, I agree. Yes. And, you know, but when the cop stops me, I don't have to worry that I'm going to get killed. That's the good news. So my anxiety, I can imagine if I were a black person on a road trip, oi, God almighty. Well, I, I'll just leave you with this brief little story. I, years ago when my kids were really small, I got three speeding tickets within a year. And <laughs> I, I mean, I really believe they were, in my defense, uh, entrapment because it was Beachwood Boulevard, 25 miles an hour. And, yeah, that's baloney. And and I mean, well, now they have those crazy speed tracks. I know. But anyway, gotcha. that was, you know, I ha- and my husband goes, you know what? You're going to have to go and be retested. 
And I said, are you serious? I didn't believe him. And then I got the paperwork. I had to go <laughs> downtown and I walked in and it was that state trooper with that crazy chin strap. And I right. was the only woman. And I said, oh, do I get extra points for being the only woman? And he said, sit down. He was not mm -hmm. amused. And so oh, after awesome. that, it scared the bejeebies out of me. And I yeah. was driving through North Park where the ducks were used to be able to feed the ducks. And it was 15 miles an hour. I was so scared. The next thing, about a month later, a cop was flashing his lights. And I, he came up to me and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. And he goes, well, I pulled you over because you're going way too slow. <laughs> I was well, that, <clears throat> I was that's the white version about, of damned if you do. Damned <laughs> if you do and damned if you don't. I was probably going about eight miles an hour because I saw the cop and I'm there. Oh, my goodness. You know, so anyway, that's my brief story. But uh, well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Don't drive. I appreciate. I, okay, I appreciate too, the commiseration. Don't drive too, too fast through Ohio and enjoy your oh, family. Right. It's, I'm okay. so happy. Thanks. And are you going to be broadcasting? Yeah, I'll do oh, it great. from. Uh, so Monday, I should be doing it from from my uh, from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Right. Well, that's what I thought I heard. So safe travels, Lynn. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank bye -bye. you. Bye bye. <laughs> Oh, God. So I, I did say at one point, you know, um, and then a call came in about Afghanistan. I Tell me what we were there for. I think the initial thing, if my memory serves me correctly, was to go get Osama bin Laden, right? Because the Taliban was giving al-Qaeda shelter in the mountains of Afghanistan, right? So we... We went in. But then, I mean, how long was, has he been dead? We got him. If it was to get him, we got him. Al-Qaeda sort of isn't around anymore. Yeah, the Taliban are there. But what did we keep staying for? Then we were like, we're supposed to democratize the place. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and that's what happens. I think they call that mission creep. I mean, it was just... There is no getting out unless you just do what Biden has done. Set a date and get the hell out because we're never going to fix the place. What hubris. We're never going to fix it. Yes, when we go, whatever government is there will have to deal with the Taliban and it'll be hell. But at least we won't be mixing in it. Our security is better served here at home, where the biggest threat to us. You know, I was thinking, actually, stop and think about it. We always think we're spreading democracy. We're going, what, supposedly we're going to bring democracy to uh, Iraq, bring democracy to Afghanistan. We taxpayers have spent trillions Trillions of our dollars thrown down that stupid hubristic pit. Lives lost, lives destroyed. For what? For what? 
if we're so into saving democracy, then you bet you, you bring those guys home, bring our troops home. Because from everything I've been seeing in the last few years in this country, we need them here. Because it is our democracy that is in danger. We need U.S. troops now around the U.S. Capitol building. We need U.S. troops in in towns that are being ripped apart by the deaths of black Americans at the hands of law enforcement officers. Bring them home. It's the right thing to do. 20 years. And what did we get done? You tell me. And there's an amazing piece in the Washington Post today about the lies that every administration has fed us about Afghanistan. All the times we were told that we're making progress, they knew they weren't. They knew it was an unwinnable war. This was money and lives being thrown at something that was not doable. The Washington Post, through the Freedom of Information Act, has access to just thousands and thousands of pages of documents, of unpublished notes, of interviews with people who played a direct role in the war. Everybody from generals to diplomats to Afghan officials, and oh my God. Here's a three-star general. We were devoid of fundamental understanding of Afghanistan. We didn't know what we were doing. Here's somebody else. What were we doing there? We didn't have the foggiest notion of what we were undertaking. Now, to hear generals say and admit, now this was not, they thought it was never to be published, that we were just uh I don't know, engaged in some theater. This piece says that they were being honest because they were told this would not ever become public. Um, And one after another says that the wars, the fighting strategies were fatally flawed, that enormous sums of money were wasted. that our government's attempts to curtail the corruption there, to build a a competent army and police force in Afghanistan, to put a dent in the opiate rate, all of those things failed. Every single thing failed. It's Here's another 
retired Navy SEAL, White House staffer in the Bush administration. After the killing of Osama bin Laden, I said, Osama's probably laughing in his watery grave considering how much we wasted in Afghanistan. And one of the most interesting points is that it's the Chinese who were laughing the most. Several years ago at China's Central Party School, a recently retired Chinese military officer said that his colleagues marveled at how the United States was wasting so much money, its prestige, everything in Afghanistan, while they, the Chinese, turned their attention to the countries that we used to pay attention to with our foreign aid and stuff. But all of that was going down the rat hole in Afghanistan. What hubris. Afghanistan, the graveyard of empires. And now we'll add one more. The British were humiliated there. The greatest empire at the time, humiliated by the Afghanistanis, right? By the Afghans. The Russians, humiliated after 10 years there. We're twice as dumb or stubborn as the Russians because it took us 20 years to finally say no mas. The graveyard of empires. We're going to pack up. We're going to get out after yet another botched military adventure. God, when will we ever learn? Bring the troops home and bring that money home. We need it. And we need to pay attention to the terrorists within our own country. Those are the people that pose the biggest threat to this country. All right, I'm done. Now I'm going to go do something totally stupid. I don't know what it is, but I'll think of it as soon as I hang up. Something totally meaningless in an effort to deal with my travel anxiety. Okay? So I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys. If all goes well, <laughs> I'll talk to you Monday from uh, the family homestead. Okay? You guys uh, stay safe. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.